Well, hi. Thank you for tuning in for an episode of Intuition Your First Sense. I appreciate you being here and listening and stopping by to see and downloading and all the other things we do in the podcast world and spending your precious time with me and for the messages that you send and for being willing to dive into some of the topics that I end up bringing up a lot of the times because I'm either walking through it myself or clients, you know, because we are human, you know, we do overlap in our experiences. Even though we all have a very different background, I find that humans aren't all that complex. We have emotions and we are pretty similar in how we navigate those emotions, even if there needs to be and increase learning about them. So this week I was thinking about a time, just a couple weeks ago over the holidays, where I had decided to make bread. And I have a gluten sensitivity and I just have not found a bread that I like that didn't have a bunch of other ingredients in it. So I found this wheat that from the Sunrise Wheat Company that those with a gluten intolerance, not celiac, but an intolerance can actually manage. Obviously, you'd have to test for yourself, but it seems to be working well for me. (laughs) The key is to not make it too often. So I'm facing this process, which I can cook. I would not say that I am the most proficient, and I'm definitely, ironically, not the most intuitive cook out there. I need a recipe. I need steps to follow. You need to tell me how much exactly. I will measure it out and make sure that everything is accurate to what's being written down. And as I'm going through this process, I realized that I was so scared of the yeast. How can something that you just add to water and you let it dissolve and then you mix it in with two other ingredients, you know, flour and some more water, how can this be so difficult or so frightening? And then I remembered growing up, my mother made all of the bread because there were a lot of us and you weren't going to be running to the store every day for bread when you could buy a big old bag of flour and make up, she used to do six loaves at a time. And then she made this most amazing, which I'm going to try at some point, but I haven't quite worked my way there yet, uh, cinnamon raisin bread that, it was just amazing. And I will get there. We only got it on holidays, which I realized, not because it was all that difficult to make, but it was her way of creating a special environment uh, around that. So as I'm making this bread and I'm, I'm kneading it out and feeling totally incompetent and like I'm disrespecting every woman in my ancestry who ever made bread and probably thought this was just something you did. It wasn't a big deal. And here I am panicking over it. You can put me up in front of 500 people. I'll be nervous, but I'll handle it and I'll actually have a really good time. But sometimes suggesting that I try a new recipe and I feel like the weight of the world. You ever go through that? Like something so inconsequential and really not all that big of a deal if you screw it up, ends up being the biggest thing that's happening. So what's really funny is as I'm doing this 
I'm making it and I'm reminiscing a little bit and thinking about my mom who passed 22 years ago and the muscle memory is coming back to me and I'm remembering that you have to spin it and then knead it and make sure that there's flour on the board and as I was setting it up for the first rising of it, I was thinking about her and about our relationship which was challenging at times, like any mother-daughter combination. And then I was thinking about how much I miss her. And that doesn't come up all that often because I feel like I was number seven of eight and I don't think I was really a a high-need kid. So I was happy to be independent and to not really be in the mix of everything. So I feel like she was probably relieved by that. And I feel like I was so independent that I didn't learn to ask for help. And my parents were pretty, especially my mom, pretty stoic New Englanders. So while there were occasional shows of affection, that really didn't come out until she had grandchildren. So I'm thinking about her and reminiscing about our relationship and then thinking about how I had a tendency to seek out strong females in my life, whether they were a school counselor or um, I used to do a lot of babysitting. And it, I realized in retrospect, I babysat for um, quite a few single moms. And that didn't occur to me at the time. I <laughs> really didn't pay attention to whether there was someone in the picture or not. I figured this is their life and, and if I can help out, I'll help out. And, you know, I was making a living as a teenager. So, I was thinking about how I would seek out these strong women and how this is still an example for a lot of us, how we are drawn to those of which we likely did not see. Now, my mother raised with my father eight kids. I know that woman was strong. I get it. Uh, It just was not in the way that I required or that I needed as um, the person I was trying to learn how to be in the world. So what I remembered was reading this article about the mother wound and how it shows up in our life and how it can even manifest in our own relationships. And it made me contemplate you know, who I was as a mother myself and what could still be there that required some healing and also how I could really appreciate the sweetness that I do know was in and of my mother. And I haven't left a lot of room for that because frankly, I was a little ticked off that she didn't stand up for me and that she, I felt had a lack of drive and maybe it was depression. Maybe she was just very introverted and shy. Um, And maybe she was just tired from raising all of us kids and then, you know, babysitting uh, the neighborhood kids and then sometimes taking care of her grandkids. So I was thinking about this and then the next process was, I always think of my clients and how many times I've had the conversation of the parenting that that they experienced because a lot of how we walk around in the world is programmed in there and is influenced by the time we're even seven years old. So by the time that consciousness shows up and the ego self 
is embedded in someone, and I mean that in a very woohoo kind of way, not you should get rid of your ego. Remember, we need to love that little bugger. But at seven, there's this shift and where we start to realize that we are independent of our parents, um, and yet the programming still goes on, and it's in there, and I really feel like until we start to look at it and have these conversations on both sides, the respect for the parents we had, and also being very clear and honest. And if they've passed, you're not doing them a disservice. You're actually helping them because on the other side, we continue to grow and we continue to want to understand what kind of an impact did we have on this world? What did we learn? How could we do it differently next time? And basically, what do you want to level up in in the next lifetime? So as I'm reminiscing and I'm thinking about some of the childhoods that I've heard and been privileged to help people through have been pretty horrific. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to go on and I'm going to talk about this because if we don't have the clear, kind, conscious, courageous conversations, there's a lot of alliteration in that statement. How are we ever going to heal the continued wounds or the you know trauma that gets handed down from generation to generation. So I feel like by honoring those and really being in awe of anyone who makes bread, I, I feel like I healed a little bit going back there. Um, and then I could draw on the ancestry there to maybe chill my buns out and not get so uptight about it. As I went into or was able to become a parent and first as a set parent and then to our daughter Kayla, I realized it was difficult and I got to see and look at my parents in a different way and yet that still bubbled up some stuff because I knew how to do things differently and I wondered why they didn't know that or why they didn't strive to do things differently. And maybe they did than their parents. But there was still a lot of room there that could have been filled with more love and empowering of us rather than like really critiquing or even beating down. So I wonder if you are aware of that mother connection, that mother wound within you. And it doesn't have to be a big old traumatic thing. Um, It might be, but you may have had, you know, the epitome of all moms. And I hope so. I really hope so. I've had people apologize to me when, you know, we, if we're sharing stories of, of childhood and they're like, I'm so sorry. And then they almost feel bad for having wonderful parents. And I'm like, oh, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Because we need the example. We need people talking about how amazing their parents were and learning from that and hopefully extending out on that and bringing that message out into the world. Because when it comes down to it, we're all trying to figure out what to do, right? We're all attempting to be in our own lined up self, um, in our own learned self even. And it's not always the easiest thing to be raising children and doing that expansion process itself. I'm always so grateful when someone comes to work with me and they say, help me be a better parent because I don't want to repeat the patterns and I can see the patterns happening. So speaking from that middle space as both a daughter and a mom, I feel like there's some 
um, help that can be given. And, and then also as the coach who gets to see this in the intuitive that just wants to hug everybody who has gone through any kind of frustration. Often the mother wound is passed down through generations. And yes, there is some connection in the patriarchal culture. And we're seeing a lot of that uh, being challenged right now. And that's also why I thought this is a good time to have this conversation. We end up creating dysfunctional coping mechanisms um, in order to process the pain. And I remember with my kids I repeated the pattern of yelling. My mother was a yeller. We have good lungs in our family. Uh, Most of us can carry a tune and just have very good lung function. (laughs) And I carried that through. And I remember one day just thinking I was walking through the house and I had at the top of my lungs, I'm screaming and hollering. And I just had this overwhelming sensation of sadness coming from actually um, the second oldest child. And I thought, I'm not going to do this to him anymore. I'm just done with this. And occasionally you have to raise your voice. I'm talking about everything being at that level of drama and heightened frequency. And then he said to me years later that when I got quiet is when he started to listen. And it was just such a profound statement. And it also helped me as a parent because I realized, when I'm yelling, they shut down and we're not going to get anywhere anyway. So I can be firm and I can hold a position, but I don't have to inflict the wound further. And he already had enough from his biological mom that I didn't need to draw that in or make it even bigger. So sometimes the mother wound can include the pain. It often includes the pain of previous generations. And sometimes that it it shows up in our comparison, you know, comparing ourselves to other people, or that person is wiser, that person's got a better booty, um, that person has more drive than I do. Um, there's, There's often an energy of shame around it where there's this frequency or this radio signal that you can't quite hear that is running in the background, they just feel like something something's wrong with you. Because if there's a challenge with your mom um, or the person who was the mother in your life, and that's the example of nurturing and it, it doesn't get expressed as children and then as we grow up through that, we do often take it on ourselves. And there's a tendency to either repeat the pattern or remain small in in order to be loved, in order to be accepted or received. I've had people say to me, and these are people in their 60s and 70s say to me, oh, my mother would be mad if I did that. And I'm like, how many trips around the sun have you taken? And this wasn't even if the, the parent had passed. There was still that hold that was there. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because I want people to hear that you're not doing anything wrong if you're still feeling these things and if it's in there and somewhere in, inside of you and there's some sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have and some sort of feeling like a, I don't know, a misallegiance to your parents if you expand beyond them. And I used to tell my daughter that, and I would repeat it today, that part of our jobs as a parent is to have our children surpass us, to be able to say, whoa, that's my kid. Can you believe how smart or how engaging or 
what a great heart they have because you you want to I think set them up to keep expanding because that's what the soul wants to do and it wants to experience this lifetime in joy and if you're doing that as a parent with a conscious effort with your child not giving them everything and making everything okay for them but really with that intention of I wonder what you'll do in the world kiddo I feel like it can help to heal some of this that we may have walked through with our own parents. Sometimes it can manifest as not being able to step into your full self um, because you don't want to threaten others. My mother used to say to me, she'd say the J word, and then she would say, Vicki, you're just too much. You're too much. (laughs) And I can chuckle about that now because I realized that the questions I must have been asking um, or when I wouldn't let something go uh, or when I was pointing out what I thought was an inequity, I I bet I was too much. Um, Well, I was a lot. I don't think I was too much because had that been channeled into, okay, well, what do you want to do about it? I feel like it wouldn't have been too much. I could have been solving problems. And this was the conundrum in our house too, because then she would often say, what do I do about this? So be quiet, don't say anything. And then being brought in to make some pretty big decisions that I should not have been asked to make as a teenager. But I also recognize that they gave me some chops for later in life when I did have to make them as an adult. So can you see how there's this back and forth that can go on between there's uh, wanting to please um, and feeling maybe the undercurrent of what your own parent was feeling lack around and then not wanting to push the envelope you can see where rebellion comes in can't you that because the soul and the natural drive of whatever you want to do in this lifetime or how you want to be in this lifetime is going to show up and I find a lot of people with a strong mother wound end up being the emotional caretakers and they end up being the ones that are so concerned empathically with everything that's going on. Um, they feel like they have to handle every little bit, that they'll do the, the holiday dinner and they'll handle the family Christmas list and they'll be the one that's the contact for everybody because there's some kind of back and forth confusion about am I to be listening to my soul and stepping out into the world or am I healing this message that's been running underneath there and that I'm I'm involved in right now and it's creating some self-sabotage perhaps or maybe it's making me competitive with other women because maybe there's some women out there that aren't experiencing this and they're seemingly moving straight through life and not having any challenges and it can create the desire to want to control and sometimes that can create feeling out of control with you know depression, addiction, eating disorders in our culture, in the United States anyway, we are conditioned to think of ourselves as less than and, and not deserving of worthy. And I don't say this in the blame game. I say this in pay attention to it, admit it, and then decide how you want to change it. The feeling of, of, of less than often gets internalized. And then that's where it gets passed down through generations of women. We're shifting that. We're learning. And we're this group of, of souls that came in in the early 90s are helping us to see that we can indeed show our intelligence and hold our strength and 
just have the <laughs> those that might still be knuckle draggers or have a problem with it, you know, figure it out. So it puts daughters especially in this um, conflict or a double bind. If if you internalize your mother's unconscious belief with the I'm not good enough or less than, but then you want your your mother's approval it feels like somehow you're betraying you know her or her potential if you want to expand and grow beyond who she is I remember thinking that with my mom she was pretty sedentary and I remember thinking just get off the couch and do something and then feeling so rude. I mean, I didn't say it to her, but I'd feel so rude. And then I would minimize my own trajectory and my own desires because I didn't, on some level, and I know it was unconscious, you know, until I did some therapy, uh, I know it was unconscious that I was getting in my own way because I didn't want to overshadow her. Meanwhile, she was not asking that of me. She was not asking me to slow down. If anything, uh, in retrospect, I truly believe that she saw my potential and she didn't know how to prepare me for the world. So she just didn't do anything. Um, And that's one challenge that can be there is the apathy of a mom. So I'm bringing this up so that you can... Start to peel away if there are some unconscious beliefs around your limitations and shift it to maybe affirm that you're in a place of potential and you're even in a place of your own power because you're aware that you are not living your mom's life, you're living yours and you can actually honor and respect her by not repeating the pattern. Um, if your mom is present and, and still in the physical, it might be hard because it might feel like you could risk losing her her love or her approval if you start changing and start expanding. And I've, I just had a conversation with someone the other day that I, I questioned why they didn't say to their parent, to their mom, who's in her 80s, that she was being rude. And she's like, well, she believes that this is the family that we have. And I don't, I don't want to dispel that belief. And I (laughs) actually said, well, that's kind of condescending because if she's here breathing oxygen, her soul still wants to learn. And maybe she doesn't know where to look, or maybe she's got some blinders up and maybe you could help her by being kind and saying, that's not how I see it. This is how I experience things. And try to just open that doorway because I think it's important if you're wanting to feel your own full potential that you also recognize that there are other women and one of them may be your mom that wants to recognize her full potential. But maybe she needs an example. I learned so much from my daughter and my granddaughter that sometimes I walk away from the interactions and my head is spinning a little bit in what I've missed because of my own maybe misconceptions or just not exposed to the knowledge that they have in each of their respected ages. I'm always so grateful and I ask them a lot of questions and I'll say, did I miss this? Did I misunderstand this? Because I feel like <laughs> I can't just be talking about this stuff. We have to, I have to be walking it. So once I became a mom, obviously I realized it's hard raising kids. 
it's hard raising these people, not only keeping them alive, but figuring out each individual personality. Uh, Most of us as parents don't know what we're doing. And I really wish that we could lighten up about that. I really wish we could admit that I don't know how to raise this kid. It was easier when it was inside me um, or when we were going through the adoption process and someone else had the child. It was easier, of course, because once you get them in-house and you're responsible for them, all of a sudden, just like my yeast experience, I, I, I just felt like I was the biggest dolt on the planet and couldn't handle this simple chemistry experiment. Well, multiply that by a million and that's raising children. And it's hard and it sucks sometimes. And we want breaks. We need breaks from our kids. And I feel like when I look back on it, I realize my mother, except for their Sunday drives, I don't think that woman had a break from us. Well, we were in school, so she did have the day. But um, I, I used to tell my kids, I have to go away for the weekend so I can remember what it's like to really want to be with you. I said it differently. Don't think I like laid it out that way. But that was my message. I'd say, I have to go away so we can miss each other. And I think it helped um, because it helped me feel like an adult, a human in this world and not just a provider of service. But I think it also helps for that space so that the kid can realize, whoa, they actually are important. And the bottom line is that our wounds will continue if we don't address them. So sometimes you need a little bit of space because these short people in our lives bring up some of the triggers of our own childhood. So if you acknowledge that we never truly get rid of or bury our past, it's there. Uh, But I feel like if we bring it up and we shine a light on it and we stop avoiding it, it dissipates. And an example of that would be like when the kids are going, mom, 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 and you're like, what? And then they're like, hi. (laughs) This is what happens in our subconscious. All of this stuff is in there and when we bring it out to the front, I feel like it goes, oh, hi, you see me now. Um, We can actually address it. It doesn't have to be running in the background, taking up your own personal hard drive, waiting to be heard, jumping up and down so that it gets um, acknowledged. I feel like if we're willing to see it and we can recognize within our own self, our resiliency, our brilliance, um, our divine connection, we can also bring in a little bit of humor. And I feel like because I've done some of this work myself, but also with the clients as I'm making bread and, or I'm singing a song and I realize I I got that love and ability through my mom and it's helped to soften some of those places. So in essence, healing a wound, there is a connection that happens with our parents, whether they're your step-parent, your biological, your adopted, um, maybe they're no longer in your life. Uh, maybe they've passed or maybe you've had to make that decision that this person that your soul chose to raise you is not in your best interest. And I've certainly seen a lot of those and am always amazed at the strength it takes to say no thank you to a parent who is not willing to learn along with you and still continues to hold that old process. And it's one thing to sense the pain that your mother's carrying um, and to explain it away. And it's another total aspect to realize 
it's not our job, nor can we save our mother. I suggested to someone the other day that she start seeing her mother as an adult and stop being in child form. If you are, you know, over the age of 23, 24, somewhere in there, start having the awareness. Well, if you can do it younger, the relationship can actually expand, but um, start really seeing your mom as an adult, as someone who's had her own process, but who is also responsible for whatever behavior that she is participating in or perpetuating. No sacrifice that you ever make will be enough to compensate for the price or whatever happened for your mom and her experience, if that's the case. Um, I, I feel like there's an unconscious decision sometime to dial it back and not be too smart or too adventurous or too successful because, again, we don't want to overshadow the mama figure. Um, and it's, it's difficult, but I think it's worth exploring. And you may come to it and say, nope, Vic, I'm good. Um, I, I don't feel this. Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day that I felt intuitively that it really was the wound inflicted from a very critical mom And she said to me that, nope, I'm over that. I came to understand who she was a long time ago. I believed her. She really did. However, that wound was still there. And I said to her, I respect that. I can really feel that your cognitive mind is telling you that and that there was some peace around it. There absolutely was. And yet there was still a pattern of having people in her life who were either critical or who just left her, who just were done with her, like dismissive. That's the word I used. So it's understanding that if you're repeating patterns, if you're seeing a repetitive pattern in your life, then you ought to do yourself a favor and look to where that may be. Um, it's, 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 it's ridiculously hard to be a mom in our society. And I know a lot of the times no one ever tells you how hard it is. So I'm going to tell you that, yes, it's hard. But it's also a time where we can reach out and ask other people and talk to other people and understand that you're not alone in this in this exhaustion, in this process, and in being that kind of cream in the Oreo generation where you're a daughter and you're a mom, um, or maybe like in my point, I'm a grandmother, and some of this stuff still comes up. So some of the... Um, shifting of our culture has to come from us. It has to come from speaking honestly and recognizing, you know, there's a divine energy of, you know, mother earth. Why not pull from that too and see the resiliency that's in nature. Um, and also that, you know, sometimes she comes through and she wreaks havoc because my mother used to say, I have had enough and she would punctuate it. (laughs) And when she said that, uh, you knew, oh, this is it. It's going down. And um, one of the worst smacks upside the head I ever got was because she would also say, I'm sick and tired. Well, that was her lot in life. It wasn't until after she passed that I realized, wow, that was such a powerful right in our face manifestation. Um, But she had said, (laughs) I have had enough. And I said, and you're sick and tired. (laughs) And I got walloped. So yes, I do realize my mouth contributed to some of the the process and probably, you know, what ended up being her daughter wound or something. But we can change this. We can shift 
the, this pattern and no longer have to be in the dynamic of wounding. And I know there are a lot of people, a lot of women who listen to this and the majority of my client base, about 75% women. So, and not that this won't apply to the males too. There's just a little bit of a different relationship between a son and a mom. It can still be as intense and sometimes whew, even more guilt-ridden. Um, so my hope is that you'll hear that it might be time for you to look at some of the frustration or limiting belief systems that might be there and maybe mourn a little bit of what you didn't receive from your parents or from your mom, um, what you wanted, but maybe like in my case, it's not going to be there because she's not here physically for me to have this conversation. And that is one of the things that I have had some sadness around because I feel like as I evolved, I would have shown up on her doorstep and said, we need to talk. And I feel like she was such a smart woman. I feel like she would have taken that opportunity and no doubt my knees would have been knocking. Um, but I feel like I, that would have been me honoring her soul. And I have done this. I have written letters to her. I have had my conversations in my own head with her and I have expressed both gratitude and utter frustration and unbelievable rage that she, as a mother, she wouldn't protect me from some of the stuff that I went through. And then realizing that some of my impishness comes from her and being, you know, grateful about that too. So I feel like it, it, it takes strength and integrity to hold ourselves as ourselves. And that's what I'm here to encourage you to do. We need to support each other in this process. We need to be able to say to our friends, um, to our clients, to our kids, that um, is there anything that you feel is entangled in there regarding the relationship with your mother? Because I don't believe it was all intentional. Um, some of it would have been, you know, that they unwittingly caused their daughters to feel responsible for what they didn't have um, and just be grateful for what you have or I sacrifice so much, you know, all those guilt statements rather than supporting the view that, yeah, you have some pain and I have some pain and um, they, it might be very different in the way that we're experiencing this and yet we can be kind and loving so that we can dissipate some of this and create an environment where we're still seeing some of the patriarchal stuff happening, where our, our girls don't have to choose between being empowered and feeling loved and being loved because it, it can go out to duplicate in, you know, your intimate relationships too. And yes, this has to do with acceptance and not every, not every mom's going to get there. Not every mother is going to get there. It can be further perpetuated by those who might feel intimidated or that if you're really holding your own empowerment, it might injure someone else. And I don't believe that to be true. I understand <laughs> the dynamic and feeling like you want to dial it back for others. Boy, do I understand that one. But I feel like we can really value relationships when we 
swallow that fear that someone else is going to have a problem with that and um, actually step into it. That does not mean that you are rude or that you are crude. How do these women that communicate in such a crude way? I, I'm all for dropping the F-bomb occasionally, but wow, how do you expect to be respected and heard if you're limiting your own energy in a way using derogatory words and everything. So that's a wound. That's a wound that's in there. And um, there's a worthiness worthiness issue that could be addressed in that. Um, it's a power dynamic that it happens within, right? You have this internal frustration or rage that wants to come out. And sometimes it comes out and not the best vocabulary, which is just not going to heal. It's not going to help things move forward. So holding your power does not mean spewing it all over people. Um, and it's not going to heal the core issue of um, a mother wound, whether that be your country that's your mother or your planet or your actual mother, your grandmother, your auntie, whatever the case may be. Um, not all mothers are nurturing and loving. It's just not true. We are humans. We are humans. We need, if we could start seeing it that way, rather than dividing it, left brain, right brain, female, male, I, it's, it's ridiculous. We are humans. And there are going to be some humans that were not wired with the nurturing aspect. And there are going to be some humans like myself who are wired with a nurturing aspect, but just don't want to raise everybody on the planet. Um, been there, done that, don't want to do it again. And I feel like a lot of the times the anger and resentment is taken out on the daughter because that individual person and, and, and ourselves feel a sense of being um, trapped or that we're supposed to be loving and caring all the time or that we're supposed to be even best friends with our mother or our daughter. That's not necessary. I really believe that in, in a family member, if you would not choose them as a friend as you're an adult, then you are under no obligation to put up with or to further your dysfunction junction if that's what's going on. And if you need permission to navigate that, whew, given. Um, hopefully you'll give it to yourself too. When we expect people to be loving all the time, it does strip you of your full humanity. It says you don't get to feel those emotions or that feeling or express frustration and anger. And you've seen this uh, and it's been talked about ad nauseum. Um, and yet I want to point out that if we look at where it came from, we might be able to release it and then not perpetuate it. I watched my mother hold things in, hold things in, hold things in, and then blow up. And I copied that. And then I realized, wow, I don't feel good. The gift that came out of that was realizing that I don't really have a temper. And that's okay too. I can have boundaries. I can have strength. I can stand my ground if I really need to stand my ground. But I don't need to be blowing off steam and, and shouting and screaming, and we don't have to be these screeching and perpetuating the stereotype, right? Um, we can be those that confronted in ourselves and are willing to dissipate it um, and willing to have the, the, the tears and everything show itself um, and, and, and lead you to a more feeling of centeredness, a more feeling of, yeah, this is me as a fully functioning human. 
imagine that. Um, if we don't heal this wound that's there, there tends to be a persistent, there's something wrong with me, and always seeking. You'll see people who always have certain health issues. There's one thing after another, or nothing ever goes right in their life, or that never really actualizing their potential because you know someone might not approve. It may not be their physical mom, but someone might not approve because that message is in there. So rather than keep that going, um, we could look at our own connection with our mom and then around divinity, around the feminine energy that exists within all of us. That does not mean that it's weak. It means that it is joyful um, and, and that we embrace the goddessness in all representations of femininity, all representations. Stop having it be about gender. Um, if you're ever going to really feel worthy or capable of creating what you truly desire, it takes looking at where these messages were embedded. I'm not talking about a blame game. I'm talking about looking at it and being willing to release it. And that may be through coaching or through therapy or through journaling or through walking in the woods and having a conversation with mother nature. Um, but we have to stop unconsciously waiting for our mother's permission or approval before claiming your own life. Um, it's, it's vital. And there's a lot of talk lately about stepping into the divine feminine. Actually, it's been the last few years. But we can't be a strong holder or container or example of divine feminine energy if we haven't addressed it within ourselves. There's the blending of the soul self that brings that divine feminine energy in that allows and I believe all humans to have connection with this you do not need a uterus in order to be connected to the divine feminine but if you don't address it within yourself I, I see a lot of be the goddess you were intended to be and some of that is out of almost like a crusading energy and it doesn't have to be a, a push against it doesn't have to be a resistance it can be through acceptance that yes, I was given a message that I was to be quiet or that women don't make good doctors or whatever the, the background message is. And you meet that with your own intelligence, with your own heart, with literal statements of, I know that to not be true because like in my case, I love my doctor and, uh, and it's female. She's a female. So we have to acknowledge on some level that the the first encounter with feminine energy was our mom and break the taboo or the message there that um, the divine feminine energy is another mother that's going to rescue you um, or that's going to teach you to be this divine energy. You already have it within. You came in with it in your wiring as a soul. You have to tap into it there. Um, and, and in order to do that, we have to kind of take apart or deconstruct the faulty messages within. So if you avoid acknowledging the full impact of your mom, your mother, your grandmother, influential women in your life, the members of, of, of society, the messengers of all of this, um, the who are the examples for you, like I had the strong women in in the high school that helped me a lot 
Um, and then I had some amazing female bosses and one not so great one, (laughs) but she helped me learn what not to do. Um, and, but I had these examples of just really smart women who still had their humor and they were willing to say, I don't know, Vicki, let's figure this out. Like find those examples in your life. They don't have to be people you talk to every day. I have so much respect. She's not that much older than I am, but I absolutely love Reba McIntyre. I feel like her willingness to um, learn who she is at different stages of life, what kind of music she wants to do. Does she want to be on stage? Is she on TV? She's doing a podcast right now. That's amazing. I love her energy and Hillary Clinton and... Brene Brown and the people who are willing to say, listen, I haven't figured it all out. I'm kind of a mess over here. And isn't that fun? Isn't that great that we can be the examples for others in our lives while we're still trying to figure it out too. Once you recognize that there's some pain there, it will dissipate. I promise you. And there can be a sweetness that steps in when you recognize, okay, yes, maybe they did do the best they could with what they had and it's okay to be disappointed and it's okay to feel hurt and it's perfectly fine to be mad that you call yourself a mother and yet you didn't step up in any way, shape or form when such and such was happening. It's fantastic to do that. And then have the conversation if you happen to be a mother figure for someone. Have the conversation with the people in your life. Is there any place that I missed the boat? Is there anywhere that I screwed up? And I probably ask my daughter this a little bit too much because I want to know, has she discovered something within herself that I just don't know about yet? And I don't want her to sit on it. I want her to be able to say to me, I didn't appreciate when this happened. And I might say to her, well, here's some more information that no, as a 12 year old, I was not giving you, but here's some more information to help you understand where I may have been coming from. So when that door is open, when there's the communication, this um, healing will go out exponentially into the world. It's going to help other cultures. It's going to help us feel more connected to the male energies in our life. It's going to help us feel less stressed um, and probably like some pretty big badasses, if I do say so myself. Um, the, it, it, when it resolves, there's a, there's a peacefulness. And a lot of the times people will say, I just want to feel peace, Vicki. I want to feel centered. I want to feel solid within myself. And these are some of the steps that we walk through in, in order to get there. Um, the pain doesn't have to keep going underground. It doesn't have to be in the background where it manifests as, you know, competition or manipulation or self-hatred. If it can be fully grieved, it can turn into love and it can, it can be a fierce support of one another and acceptance, um, to be, you know, boldly who we are, authentic, creative, fulfilled, where we can honestly say, oh man, what you're doing there, that rocks. I don't feel any competition from it. Um, and, and when we heal that, we get to almost like we're in on a secret of the impact, how being healthy as a mom can be on a child, in your relationships, on your soul, 
in the eternal part of you, it is ultimately not about your mother at this point. It's about embracing who you are and your abilities and your willingness to to share those with us um, so that we can be amazed at the work that you've done and that we can support you in your greatness and truly do it from a place of authenticity and clarity and love. And we need that love right now. Um, we're not going to heal a patriarchal view by pushing against it. It requires the love and the action of deep work. And it requires the willingness to be resilient. And we all have that within us. I heard a great quote as the Georgia elections were going on that said, um, don't look to Stacey Abrams, who is amazing. Her energy too is so bright, so fantastic. And she has a space in her teeth like I do. So she's a space sister. I heard this statement about her that um, she's just amazing and she's the whole reason that Georgia won. And she has said, no, she's not. That there's a whole force there. And then someone so eloquently, and I wish I could, I tried to find it so I could quote the person. And if anybody knows of it, please let me know. They said, Stacey Abrams is not the answer to solving all of our issues in this world. Look to yourself, look, and I'm paraphrasing here, but look to the Stacey Abram energies in your circle. I am telling you right now, you have that energy within you. And if you're willing to divest (laughs) of the wounds and the pain of the past, there is just limitless potential in all of you and, and, and every being that is listening to this, whether you identify as female or whether you're in you're a male, you are cis, you are, everybody has this ability to heal what is running in the background and decide what program you will be moving forward with. And you can probably tell that this is a subject that I love, that I am so um, grateful that I've been able to feel my way through some of it. I know that I'm not complete. There's likely to be things that show up um, in, in the future. And I know there's some of the stuff as myself as a mom that I still want to visit and, and to uncover so that I can be of greater help in the world in healing these wounds. And I am so grateful that you hung around. Um, and I wish you all of the strength and love and joy and you know what get excited about this stuff stop thinking that it's a tough thing that we have to you know lament on and please 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 be kind to yourself I do not care what the age is on your driver's license if you're hearing this now and you are willing to look at it you have not waited too long you have not wasted time you have not been ignorant you what's the other one I heard the other day it's just not possible. Of course it's possible. The word impossible when you break it up is I'm possible. So you are not only possible, I believe in your probability. And I extend that out to you and I will hold it while you find it for yourself. So it's not impossible. Um, we just have to get real. Identify the feelings, get the help, and then open up to the possibilities. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Intuition Your First Sense. I appreciate you being here. And as always, you can get a hold of me on any of the social platforms at coachvickybaird.com or you can email info at vickybaird.com. That's I-N-F-O at V-I-C-K-I-B-A-I-R-D.com. Thank you so much. 